All right, let's just pray together. Lord, help me this evening as I speak that I would focus upon your word. May it be preeminent. Oh, we want to see you, to look upon your face. What a glory that will be when we see you. That's what Fanny Crosby wrote about face to face. And so, Lord, we help us to anticipate that, to live this week in light of eternity and not live just solely for this world by any means. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we have the description of the apostates to set the context for a text without a context is a pretext looking for a proof text. So those all those things together, which you have learned by now, that little quote there, which is uh, something you can keep the rest of your life uh, together, Jude chapter 1, and it is verse number 8. If you follow along, please. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, this vile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignity, speaking now of the false teachers. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these, this is the false teachers, the apostates, speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Noah. Tonight we go with, these are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about by winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Diatribe. That will be a diatribe against the false teachers. We, we, we understand that Jude's talking, and he wanted to write about salvation, but there's so much need, and he, I wish he was preaching today here in America, so much need for false to combat false teaching, false ideology, false social media, all those different things. Imagine what Jude would have said if he had the social media of the world that we have today. And so Jude does not talk about salvation. He talks about these false teachers. Reminds us of the book of Hosea. We've been studying the minor prophets Wednesday nights. And so Hosea talked about these things in his book in chapter 6. It was a morning cloud. They had no stability. They were all show. It's so like in Texas, they say he's all all hat, no cattle. All hat, no cattle. It's all show and no reality. Uh, also in 7, 8 of Hosea, uh, cake not turned, superficial commitment, lack of sincerity. Also full of gray hairs in 7, 9, unaware of the strength is leaving. They're also silly dove without heart, unstable, and with or between passions in Hosea 7 and Hosea 7, 16, deceitful bow, undependable in the fight. So, Hosea talks about the false teachers. Jude, after the birth of Christ, his death and resurrection, Jude talks about the false teachers of his era. Isn't it sad that seemingly as soon as the church got started, people wanted to jump on the bandwagon and start teaching false doctrine? It's, it's people, people just don't want to surrender. I think as humility and submission to the Word of God. They just don't want to do that. So Joseph Smith did not want to be submissive to the Word of God. So he somehow, through an angel, has these golden plates that no one ever saw, wrote a book, and he gave the title Another Testament of Jesus Christ because he did not want to surrender. He wanted to have part of, I guess, 40-some women he married to. He wanted to have... It's something how 
The men that start these cults at times have emphasis on having multiplicity of wives and so many men and spiritual leadership, whether good or ill, have gotten in trouble because they did not keep their mind where it's supposed to be. That's a side note, not part of the text or message. So we'll go right to, first of all, visible spots. If you would, a description of the apostates, visible spots. It's, it's going to use a literary term of comparison. There are five metaphors here. Wearsby says perhaps six regarding the shepherds. Moffat says, sky, land, and sea are ransacked for illustrations of the character of these men. A picture is worth a thousand words. And so he is so eloquent here, if you would, and writes, he is a wordsmith. Now, in my mind's thinking, if my mind is actually thinking something, a wordsmith is someone who has a way with words that can make things, if a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? And so I know that's not a Christian song, but that my, I just played it last week, a, week, anyway, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, and that's, but that, that song, let's talk about this. When peace like a river attendeth my way. So P.P. Bliss, Horatio Spafford's word, P.P. Bliss took those together, and that was the, one of the best weddings possible of words and music together. So there, there's a way to write words. There's a way to write music that goes with it. And so Jude here is, waxes eloquent with his quill under the inspiration of the Spirit to give a, the definitive diatribe against these Men, and perhaps there were women as well, but these men who are false teachers. It's, uh, McQuilkin says, picture talk is one of the greatest problems of interpretation. To treat figurative language as if it were literal, and to treat literal language as if it were figurative, constitute two of the greatest hindrances to understanding the meaning of the Bible. So this metaphor, and according to the, one of the best dictionaries ever, the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, a metaphor is a similitude reduced to a single word or phrase or a word expressing similitude without the signs of comparison. For example, that man is a fox. That's a metaphor. That man is like a fox, a simile. So like or as simile, metaphor does not have that. So when I say the soldiers fought like lions, simile, if I say a man is a fox, that is a metaphor. A man is as crafty as a fox, that's the meaning. And a man bridles his anger, the meaning, a metaphor, bridles or restrains the anger like a horse bridle restrains a horse. So we have these, we have five here tonight. So you see, first of all, visible spots, their position these are spots in your feasts of charity or love. It's not like these men are outside writing, trying to influence the church. No, they're inside the church, and he's saying, beware, because they're in here already. It's not like, we fight them off. No, they're here, and you've got to know who they are to avoid them and separate from them. They've already invaded the church. By the way, false teachers have invaded the church and still are in the church aplenty. There's a plethora of them today. Not only their position, their peril. Two areas in which they're particularly dangerous, we find them in, two thir- in the, our text here. It says they are spots. An- another, a very close uh, Greek word also is the, uh, another word that means rocks or reefs. The idea is that there's a, a hidden rock underneath the surface. 
There's a great danger posed to the ships because they just can't see that rock under there. I remember when we were in, and Dave remembers well, when uh, in Ely, Minnesota, there's so many rocks, and you can be going along happy-go-lucky trying to get to your fishing hole, and all of a sudden, whoom! And your motor, I tore at least one compeller, uh, propeller, I had to bend it and had to call to get it and come and replace it. And that's what you fear the whole time you're up there. You're going to hit a rock and destroy the motor and have to pay for it. And so there's these hidden rocks. You've always got to be careful. And you think, I remember the time I hit the rock, I thought we were clear. We were like, it's right in the middle between these two, two uh, I don't know, little island things. And right in the middle. And lo and behold, boom, went over and zoom. And you, there goes the propeller, bent the propeller. So that's the, the idea is this here. Uh, they, they are not seen. They are reached below the water, if you would. Uh, they're deadly and dangerous. It recalls, if you would, the John 13, the disciples in the upper room, and Judas is still there. They did not understand that Judas was the traitor of all time, if you would. And so they were unaware. Of, matter of fact, they, when he left, they weren't... Well, there goes the traitor. No, it was, you know, what's he doing? I'm not sure why is he gone. He held the bag. So he was regarded as high order in the, the disciples, if you would. But he was a, a spot at their feasts. Oh, Ibert says, a reference is not merely to the defiled nature of these men, but to their pernicious impact, threatening the moral shipwreck of others. It's not just you. No man's an island to themselves. No man's island to themselves. My wife and I were discussing just for momentarily the Bill Gothard. I didn't know if you know anything about Bill Gothard, but how the, his negative effect of what he has done, how it has impacted all those who've been involved in basic youth principles, whatever it was, etc. And so it, it, the, the fallout, and the, the more well-known you are, the, fall, the further the fallout can be. So they are, they are reefs underneath the water. Be careful. Not only are the spots, they're ravenous. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. It's a pastoral term, if you would. They're feeding and tending to the flock. No, they are feeding, they're building their own kingdom, if you would, rather than building Christ's kingdom by building the church. And so they're more concerned about themselves and how many planes they have and how big is their mansion and how, how, many, how much property do they own, all these different things. They're more concerned about that than the spiritual needs of those who, whom they are it would seem over in, in charge of. Jeremiah said, many pastors have destroyed my vineyard and they have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Jeremiah also said in 23.1, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. There's going to be a reward for the faithful pastor. There's also, I think, going to be a condemnation when we stand before the Lord for things we have not. And if we've done poorly, we're going to be held responsible for that. I really believe that. Yes, there can be a crown for the pastor, but there also can be a, there is also a lot of responsibility for that. So we're we're looking to get a new executive director at our job, and so uh, it's a, it's 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 going to be a very difficult. Whoever steps into that, they don't know yet what they're stepping into. Uh, it's going to be a difficult thing to do. It's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a lot of. Or one person in the know said, "If my best friend wanted to apply for this job, I would say no. Don't do it." So, so there we are. I hope no. I hope none of you applied for that job. I hope not, because I just say don't do it. Just don't do it. There is not only position peril. There's their pride. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. 
The word feast reveals a self-indulgence to feast sumptuously. These feasts prior to the communion service were especially beneficial for the poor. So evidently, you can see it in the New Testament, they would have a feast, and some would say after, before the communion service, they would have a, a regular meal, and so the poor could come and, and have a feast before them, and they would eat plenty, and then they have the communion service, that time of fellowship. And so they were using it for themselves and not truly to help other people. Their priority was their own gain and pleasure. They did it without fear or literally had no conscience and no concern for the people of God or the ways of God. It is a people who are concerned more about their own individual success than others. We have have lost, not everybody, but many have lost the idea that it's Jesus, others, and then yourself. And I can honestly say, when you put others first, there's the peace that comes. If you are all about you, now we've been promoting this, we've got the Me Too generation, it's all about me and what I want, and we see how we're doing with that. We have a people who in, in 1940, 1939, 1940, we have men and ladies across America who said, you know, I'm giving up everything to go serve my country. It's been called, and perhaps rightly so, you know what, the, the greatest generation of Americans ever. I'm pretty much going to agree with that. For the most part, my father-in-law was one of them. Probably, I'm sure all of you have some people. And then the, the afterwards, those who served in the armed forces, and they have given their lives, and they, they were willing to go and do, and, and the factories are willing to retool their entire factories to, to make munitions because we're, if we don't do something now, we're just going to... Yeah. We've lost that. Armed services now, there's only one of the four branches that has a regular, that's the Marines. Everybody else is down, and they cannot keep enough recruits to make the normal thing. Bring back the draft, possibly. That's just my own personal, expunge that from the record, please. I did. I did apply for the draft. It's just I fell in that, my ages, there was nothing going on right when I I signed up for the draft. There was nothing going on, so I did not get called to the draft. I would have gone had I been called. This is the, the Lord, it's about the Lord here. This is that koinonia word, the fellowship, and that's so important. Philip says table, table fellowship was far more significant among the ancient and the Orientals than is it among modern Westerners. In older times, in ancient lands, to sit at a table with someone implied a bond of friendship and fellowship. Some cultures considered it a covenant of salt to be agreed, to be sacred. Orientals would not break bread with someone whom they intended to betray. The covenant of salt is even in weddings now. If you would see that, put the, they put the salt together and then they will mix it together, one color, and they become one. That's the covenant of salt. So eating with someone meant that you were on the same page with them in that Oriental custom. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, literally they were shepherding themselves and not the flock in which they were to shepherd. May, They were doing what was right in their own eyes for their own purposes. And Joe uses this word poemo, I can't pronounce it correctly, but it talks about pastoring. And these, they could have been snakes masquerading as shepherds or leaders in the church. And to do so without fear. And Wearsby said they they are an ignorant lot. This is the difference between a true shepherd and a hireling. The true shepherd cares for the sheep while the hireling cares only for himself. You are to call a pastor, and we talk about not to hire one. You call one to, to the church. So 
less the visible spots. Secondly, deceptive clouds and 12 clouds. They are without water carried about by winds. We see then their hypocrisy, clouds without water. Now, we, we, we know that. I, I was, uh, we had a dry spell this fall. However, I was just walking the yard and picking up sticks yesterday, and mine's like, my whole yard's like a sponge. Maybe yours isn't like that, but mine is. I'm like, got all this water goes by my place, blah, 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 water. And so this is, we like the rain. If it's a drought, we're looking for rain to start, and perhaps we've got a real dry time. We see a cloud coming. Oh, but it's going to dark. It's dark enough. Perhaps we're going to get some rain for the corn. And then it passes over, and no rain comes. Clearly, then, these deceptive apostates were not what they appeared to be. Appears to be a cloud with rain, but it wasn't. They may have appeared sincere to many. I just saw a post from uh, Daryl Harrison of Just Thinking Podcast. My wife gave it to me. The greatest need or problem in America is it's immature church. Uh, uh, scriptural illiteracy is the greatest problem in church today. Scriptural illiteracy. Now, I'm thankful to God that you're not scripturally illiterate because I can, I can and, and you're following along in your Bibles and you're reading God's Word. And if I were to say something erroneous, you'd, you'd, you'd get on me for that. You'd, uh, what about that? And, and so uh, that's the way it should be. There will be some things that we don't agree on the minor things, perhaps together, and we're not going to agree. There's no one going to agree with me on every single thing, and I'm not going to agree with you on every single little aspect, nuance of the Christian world. But on the majors, we are on the same page. We're lockstep together on the major doctrines, and that's why we're here at this church, a Baptist church, because we believe, we're, we try to be what the, follow what the Bible says. So these may have appeared to be something good, but they were not. And I love John Phillips. He's the wordsmith. Listen to this now. Descriptor of the clouds without water. The picture is that of a dry and thirsty land longing for rain. The earth is baked as hard as iron, and the sky gleams like burnished brass. Dust blows across the land. It piles up in the alleys and drifts through the windows and doors. It settles on floors and furniture. It blankets fences. It settles on drooping bushes and trees and chokes the life out of every once hopeful crop. Even the weeds succumb. Then hope gleams in every eye and beats anew in every breast. There's a cloud in the sky. And it seemed to be a very angel of God. It grows and spreads. It welcomes shade, brings this cooling and the promise to the parched soil. Men pray, cattle lift their weary heads, and the shriveled flowers yearn for rain. But the cloud is a cheat, a heartless sham. It gathers its fleecy folds about itself and drifts away on the wind as the triumphant sun resumes its relentless reign over the drought-stricken land. That is word poetry. And that's exactly what they were. They appear to be positive, but then they just go on their way. They fold up their fleecy cells and go off to somewhere else and leave the mess behind them. Not only was there there's the hypocrisy, there's vanity. Clouds they are without water. A cloud without water is a little benefit. 
Now, it might provide a little shade on a hot day, but typically we see clouds as a sign of rain. That's what we expect. We hear a thunder, I'm expecting some rain. The apostates had nothing of value to offer. They desired to be seen of men, but they never contributed anything to the service of the Lord. How many prominent TV people do we have who are like, now there are some good preachers on TV. Now, I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about those who are in it for the money. The people who are, have multiple millions of dollars, one of the very prominent health and wealth guys has, I believe, five planes. I think it is. A huge, a, a huge compound. Very, uh, anyway, we'll just go on from there. But, we, but we, these men, we, they want the recognition, but they refuse to be useful. Do not be afraid to be forgettable. Do not be afraid to be forgettable in the ministry. It's all about God and not about you and me. But most pastors, I'll tell you, even in our own circles, most pastors, they don't, they don't really necessarily want to be forgettable, especially if their church is growing and they have a lot of people in their church. It's easy to get the mindset, well, look what I, I mean, the Lord's built. Look, and that's never to be like that. And I'm not, perhaps I'm, not everybody's been like that, obviously, but there have been some. I tell you, we used to wor- almost worship almost worship in the 70s, the big name independent Baptist preachers and all this huge thing. And they did, weren't used by God. They were. Many of them were. But, they're, but it's easy to get. If we're not careful. We can get to where it's like about me. Like, oh, look what I've done. We've done nothing. Your good works are to glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we're to do that. The instability carried about by winds this, this reveals exactly what it says. They're, they're carried about with every wind of doctrine. They were like the silly doves of Hosea's day, unstable. They had no real conviction. They, brought, they, they sought to promote what they uh, advanced, whatever cause they wanted to promote, and they would bring that in, and they were, just had no doctrinal foundation. They were gather their fleecy folds and be on their way. Instability. It says in Ephesians 4 that ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We're not to be carried about like that. Carried by winds means that indicates that the unsafe to follow these men does not merely mean indicate their own instability. These men are not something that people should follow, and yet it seems often those are the ones that are most followed. They're the pied pipers that people want to follow. We know, though, we aren't to do that. Jude says, please don't do that. So there's visible spots. There are deceptive clouds. There are dying trees in verse 12. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Jude compares them to a fruit tree whose fruit has withered. First of all, we see their decay. They've withered, twice dead. The adjective which appears here only in the New Testament is commonly understood to denote a time of the autumn and the very end of the fruit harvest. So if you're going to have fruit... It's time to shine or to have fruit, etc. And they did not have that. The whole thrust of the metaphor is these apostates totally lack productivity for themselves or toward others in the spiritual realm. They may teach, they may preach, but they have nothing to give. Not only are they fruitless, but they are rootless. As Wearsby says, that word means they're barren, without fruit, unprofitable, depicting a tree without fruit under the most favorable of circumstances. What often happens when a tree did not bear fruit, they would chop it down. We have a tree in our little, uh, out of the creek there, and it's a, it's a oh, something kind of a tree. I can't I can think of it. Mm, just about kind of, uh, 
locust tree, thank you. And it's falling over on the other man's property. I think it's being held up by a tree. Uh, it's, not a, it's, not, it's got a lot of it cut off. My wife says, how are you going to cut that thing off? I said, it's only like a 12 or 16 feet tall. I'm like, we can cut that off. I'll probably get some help doing that one. But it's, 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 it's no good to anybody anymore. It's just going to cause trouble. It's getting more and more pulled out of the ground, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, if it's a dead tree, we should be cutting it out. My neighbor's nervous. Mr. Crumb's nervous because I, in the back of the yard, or the first part before the back 40, there's a, all, there's a lot of dead. And, and we had a big limb fall out. A couple of big limbs have fallen out over the, the winter time. And he's worried about falling on his fence because it's a pretty tall tree. So he mentioned it in passing one day. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of worried about that tree in your backyard. Like, get somebody out there and cut that thing up. In other words, a.k.a. I read between the lines. have not done that yet. Need to do that. But they have, they have not matured. Their trees have been uh, uh, worthless. Wherefore, by your fruits, by their fruits, you shall know them. We, if we were going to name the name of Christ, our life should be similar to what we say. We find their decay, their defiance. They are twice dead. Farmers then often dig up trees that have no fruit out of the ground. The false teachers bore no spiritual fruit and were incapable of bearing spiritual fruit. They were twice dead. Another views this as twice dead means dead through and through. Twice dead. The third view is that it means that dead is in reality as well as in appearance. They were dead really and they were dead in appearance. The fourth view is it means presently dead in sin and destined for eternal death. So there's four views of that. what that means there. Twice dead. Corolo, uh, the, the commentator says, these false teachers were twice dead. They have not been saved, so they're dead in trespasses and sins. They can be nothing fruitful about them. They also are dead because they're apostatized, and what they have strayed from the teaching of Christianity means they also will not be saved in the future if they continue their present course. End of quote. I was thinking today about false teachers. The gospel is the gospel. So perhaps you were under a mess, you heard a message and the Lord spoke to your heart and the Holy Spirit took the gospel message of his word and you received Christ as personal savior that from that preaching from the Holy Spirit but the person later on declared himself not to be whatever the the gospel has the power to save I think there have been people who truly don't know Christ, who have shared the gospel message, having rejected it themselves, shared that with other people, and the other people have received Christ as personal Savior because the Holy Spirit is what makes people under conviction and brings a conviction. He's the saving one. So that's maybe how you to understand how have people have been pastors of church and people have gotten saved and, and then they walk away from the faith. The Holy Spirit takes his words. This is the word power. This is it right here. So he takes that and can use that for his glory. We just heard this morning in Sunday school about his ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So much higher than ours. His word will not return void, Isaiah also said. These are born in sin, separated from God as, other, as all men are. They have been exposed to the gospel and even pretend to share it with others, but there's no conversion. Now, apostate, we talked about last few weeks on Sunday mornings, apostate is one who's made a public idea or a public profession, if you would, or a sounding forth, I am a Christian, all these things. But in reality, they were not. And so they stopped doing that and they have... They've, they've uh, become an evangelical. 
So they've deconstructed their theology. They never were believers in the first place. That's the apostate. Now, there are people who are unbelievers who've never been apostates because they've never made a, a, a sounding board that I am a Christian and backed away from that. And so there would be apostate versus a, simply an unbeliever. These men are apostates. They've been actually possibly preaching in the churches, living a lie. They've been confronted with the word of God that brings salvation, and they have spurned it in exchange for worldly lusts. Can you imagine human beings spurning something great for monetary gain? It still happens today. I mean, they will, they will give their eye tooth to, to get to, uh, just, oh, I'm not trying to be up on the lottery here, but, you know, a, a whole school down somewhere in Kentucky over on the newspaper because they've been playing the lottery since 2016, the same numbers over and over, and they finally hit. So every single one getting $24,000 after taxes. So there we go. So what, they are not selling their souls for money, I know that. But there are those who will do that for just any kind of climbing the ladder in the corporate world. So the decay, the defiance, their destiny. Trees without fruit withereth without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They will give an account for their rebellion and denial of God. They will be plucked by the roots because they lack life and produce no fruit. In Matthew 7, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's, your Christianity is more than a verbal profession of they're that or this. It is a life change that we witness. Raging waves. Raging waves, the sea foaming in their own shame. There's they're a fury. They're raging. They're wild. They're savage. The ravenous waves, they've caused many to face certain shipwreck and destruction when waves get out of control in the ocean, as you well know, or get monstrous ships are capsized, etc. Not only that, there's foam. We find that they are foaming and out their own shame. If you've all witnessed when, when the, when the, when the, if you've ever gone to the beach and there's maybe a, a lot of wind and or a pre or post hurricane or something and all that foam comes in when the ocean's chaotic and, and strong, you get a lot of that foam left over. That's the idea. They foam out their own shame. Confusion, shame, disgrace, dishonor. That is what they possess on the inside. Eventually, it's going to come to the surface, if you would. You've heard the phrase, if you give a man enough rope, eventually he's going to do what? Hang himself. And that's the apostate teacher. Eventually, they're going to come out and they're going to, they're going to be careful. Well, you, now we know you are, yes, I've been trying to hide it, but yes, I, 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 you're, and so they go off somewhere, they fold up their little fleecy clouds and go off somewhere else to cause harm. They will spew poison. All, on all who will listen, corrupting the weak as they go. I've always thought in my self-righteousness, if all these would just get together in the same church and, be, and, sue, and go and serve in this, or not serve, but go into the same church. It's all those who want to get rich and all those who say $50 of seed money, if you do that, uh, you'll earn $5,000. If all those people would go together to the same church and send it to one another. And so they take, instead of fleecing those who didn't be fleeced, and they could work together and help one another. 
Only God sees the full story. Only He sees the ruined lives, the wreckage that cast upon the shores of lost eternity. The apostate, this verse declares, is like a mad dog foaming at the mouth whose bite is fatal unless immediate and drastic measures are taken. It's no small thing. He's talking about finally wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And that is such a gloom and doom term. It's like the gloom of darkness or the darkness of gloom. The gloom of darkness or the darkness of gloom. Wandering stars. And in and, and past time, they thought, they thought the planets were stars. And, and they would say, well, that, doesn't, that's not, that planet's not doing the normal thing, what's revolving around the sun. Stars are more in a, a state. Matter of fact, the stars are so regular that the seamen would go by those stars and follow which direction to go. But the planets now are not going to be like that. And so wandering, they're just, they're just here, there, or yawn. They're, there's no rhyme or reason for that. And that's the idea. Wandering stars. For these, God has reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's why I believe personally that very possibly, a lot of caveats there, that hell is going to be a star that is completely in blackness and you will be by yourself. The fire of hell will be there, and you'll be on a planet somewhere or a star somewhere and perhaps the remote part of the universe somewhere, and that's going to be... We know it's not going to be on the new earth. We know that, right? Yes. Whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Reserved, has been kept, has been held, reserved for... And as much as false teachers have strayed from the true path of Christianity, they can look forward to only one thing, we're spending eternity in hell. That is not a thing to look forward to. It says in Matthew 25, 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible is clear on that. Sadly, it will be the fate of those who embrace false doctrine of the apostates and deny the truth of God. It was Tozier, I've told you different times, who believed that when he was writing his books that only 2% of the church was truly saved in America. Only 2%. May we, never, may we never give up. May we forever take a stand on the truth and do our part to promote and defend it for the sake of those who need to come to Christ in salvation. There is salvation in Christ and there is truth that is absolute and knowable. He came for you, for me, for God so loved the world. If you're under conviction, then come. That whosoever will, does he know is going to be saved? Absolutely. But he offers you the option. He offers you to whosoever will come over and over. Come unto me. Uh, let him that drink of the water come. At the end of Revelation, clearly come, come, come and be saved. Receive him. Maybe this week as we read our word, I think the greatest defense against a false teacher is to know the word. That's it. There's no other way around it. It's to know the word. I can tell Mr. Dickens, now Mr. Dickens, here's how you put that motor together. You get you some duct tape and you put that around the cylinder and you just pound it in there really good and it will run great. And he says, he's laughing, and he knows better than that because he, he's read the book. Actually, probably wrote a book on it. But there, there it is. I was fixing my weed eater yesterday, figured out finally how to fix it, and I was putting it back together. And I, you know how you did, I had that little the drill, and I... I Broke one of the screws off in it, and so I got screw off in there. So I've only got two in the back, but it, I'll tell you what it does do. It does run right again now, but it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I pinched my finger on that, and I, cut, I tore a hole in my shirt trying to put that thing back together. Shroom. I'm just got, I'm just good like that. I didn't read any directions, by the way, in case you're wondering. But I'm telling you, 
You can read the directions and learn. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be avoiding those who want to twist uh, your truth. May we be students of your word. Matter of fact, we are to be those things. We are to be reading. We are to be serving. We are to be growing. Uh, may we not be babes in Christ, but may we desire this beyond the sincere milk of the word. May we want the meat of your word to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.